Welcome to the Backyard Buddhist Podcast, where we continually seek everyday enlightenment for the benefit of ourselves and all other beings. I'm Ron Powell McLean. Regret is a powerful obstacle when we're trying to balance our human experience and relieve our suffering. Today, we're talking about how to let go of the past. I invited my good friend, Christopher Bain, to join me today. Welcome, Chris. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm great. I'm happy we're doing this. I am too. I've, my I've first mi- time on the podcast. I, I've missed having a, a partner to banter with, so I'm super happy you're here. <laughs> well, good. I will banter away. <laughs> That's good. So last week's podcast um, was, you know, subjects like like regret are are tough, Um, and you know, even even for somebody who practices on it on a daily basis, I struggled with that podcast and um, getting out what I needed to say and sort of admit what I needed to admit in the limited way that I did. But, you know, as always, there's, you know, there's a learning and a teaching in, in whatever we're focusing on. So I certainly have done, uh, you know, another week's worth of contemplation about, you know, my missteps and my regrets about things that I've done in the past. And, you know, I talked about something that I did when I was, you know, 22, 23 years old, that just haunts me. It haunts me. It's, you know, it's the ultimate of my bad behavior. Um, so I, I struggled with it a little bit. So this week I really wanted to talk about um, forgiveness because I got to the end of that podcast and I was like, Oh shoot, I forgot to talk about forgiveness. So I wanted to definitely talk about that. But then when we were talking, you said, that you wanted to talk about like letting go of the past, which was serendipitous to me. So I thought we're there. (laughs) We are. We are there. Because for me, letting go of the past and forgiveness are really almost the same because in the ability to forgive yourself is letting go of the past. Yeah. Because I am the type of person who has held on to things for 30 years, maybe even longer. And it really wasn't until I started meditating on them that I was truly able to forgive myself because that's who I was then. Right. And it was able to let it go. Tell me more about that. Like, tell me about your process of letting go. So for the longest time prior to being a Buddhist, I well, I was raised Lutheran Missouri Senate. And then in my early to mid-20s, I bounced around from different church to different church. I was searching and struggling, trying to find a home where I thought I would fit, one that would accept me for who I am, a gay man, and one who would help me right my wrongs, if you will, mm-hmm. erase my past. Right. And then probably around the time I was 30, I said, forget this. This is not working. 
it, it wasn't for me and I just stopped going to church altogether for probably a good decade. And it was when I found Buddhism four years ago, four and a half, I think actually, that I really started to look into my past and had it you know, go at it head first, face to face with it. Because for years, I would have thoughts and memories of things that had happened before, conversations, unskillful actions, things that I said, actions that I did with such regret that I would just block them out. Right. If it popped into my head, I had to push it away because I did not want to face what I did. I did not want to face how I acted. Right. So in my mind, well, if I don't think about it, it didn't happen. So why even worry about it? <laughs> well, it was just piling on my shoulders, that regret, those feelings. And what I literally, literally had to do was sit down and remember it all. If a, a memory popped in my head, a vision, an image of something, a conversation that was had, I had to re remember the whole thing. I had to literally not block it out, remember everything, all the sights and sounds I could have of it. And then I would have to say, Chris, you were 20 then. You were 16. You were 30. That's who you were. You can't ignore that it happened. You can't forget that it happened, but you don't have to dwell on it. Mm. All of this has happened along your life to make you who you are now. I really, really like who I am. I'm in a really good spot. Yeah. But all the years of trying to hide what happened or pretend like it didn't happen only made it worse. Yeah. Because when it did rear its ugly head, I felt ashamed. I felt sad. I felt angry. I felt not worthy. Hmm. But it was ultimately allowing myself to feel those feelings, realize that's who I was. That was a moment in time, a situation, something that I may have caused or something that someone did to me, but it brought me here today. Right. Well, you know, we're, we are both talking a lot about um, our own actions. And that is, that's a big one to get over. And there's a lot of regret with that. Um, the, you know, the other, you know, maybe the other part of the puzzle when we're talking about letting go of the past and forgiveness is trauma and things that have happened to us. Um, I certainly have a few of my own. Um, and I think I'm sure everybody has um, some level of trauma and I, I encourage us all not to fall into the trap of trying to compare our traumas. Um, you know, mine was worse than yours because it was of this type or substance or this happened versus that happened. We should never do that. Um, you know, our own personal experience is our own personal experience. And the worst thing that happened to each one of us is the worst thing that has happened to each one of us and should never be compared to the worst of someone else's um, situation. And I know when when I start talking about trauma with, you know, people that I've been coaching, you know, over the years or students. And when I, 
you know, when we start talking about trauma, we start talking about, oh, this, you know, this is not, you know, it's not as bad. Other people have it worse. And we start to diminish our own experience. So let's, you know, just take the moment to agree that when you're, when you're doing your insight work, that you honor your worst experience. And it could be, you know, by your own hand or someone else's or a combination of the two. So let's be really compassionate and wise that we tend to do that and diminish our, our, our ownership and the severity of the worst thing that's ever happened to us. It could be a car accident. It could be, you know, you know, a, a traumatic, um, you know, verbal assault or disagreement or argument that you've had. That could be the, you know, that could be your worst. So let's just take that into consideration as well. So all of these things really involve you know, a, a number of elements like regret and resentment. And we tend to want to redo or undo things that have happened in the past. And, or I heard you say the word erase. Mm-hmm. I wanted to erase my past. And that's a thing, right? You know, it's, it's like we're trying to eradicate it from our, our you know, our mental, you know, popcorn popper <laughs> as if it never happened as if and it to me, never happened that is the worst thing i've tried to do to be honest with you because taking ownership in my past either the trauma that was caused to me or the trauma i may have caused someone else yeah it's my story it's my journey right and erasing that little bit erases all the other good things that have happened along the way right but we successfully put that stuff aside. You know, we'll have oh. a, you'll have that thought of, oh my goodness, I did a terrible thing and then I'm going to distract myself and I'm going to distract okay. myself with, you know, food or alcohol or drugs or porn or Netflix or just Any distraction, distraction, distraction. Absolutely. I think, um, you and I've had this discussion that food is my oldest and dearest best friend. It's been my escape. It's been my retreat. It's been my nemesis um, and my ally. Yeah. All 46 years. And my relationship with food has always been that source who I knew would never leave my side. Yeah. And it's also been the one that won't leave my gut either. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, it is. It's you look for those outlets. You look for something to help ease the pain. Right. But for me now, easing the pain is meditation and looking things head on. Right. I'm with you. Totally with you. Um, but it is still hard for me. I think the biggest piece that I have that I struggle with is I have forgiven myself for the errors of my ways in the past. It still comes back and haunts me sometimes, like, Chris, be nice to yourself. Yeah. But 
for those who may have wronged me. And when I've spoken to them before about this, um, one person in particular, I've mentioned to her some damage that's been caused throughout the years. It's as if it never happened. They've eradicated from their memory. Yeah. And that's hard for me. Denial. <laughs> oh, it's complete denial. Yeah. But that is really hard for me to not just want to say, how can you not remember this? Mm. How can you not remember that one time when I remember it because it's etched in my mind, but she denies anything ever happened. Wow. That's the hard one for me. Yeah. It's forgiving them. I, I try to look back and think, okay, they were in a different spot in their life then. There was probably a lot of things I didn't understand because I was younger, much younger, a child. But at the same time, you know what you did. And how can you not at least apologize for that? Nope. <laughs> I know. No. I know. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. You know, well, you know what I say about expectation. I, exactly. That's why the only thing I can do is me. Yeah. Only sure. thing I can work on is me yeah. and knowing that I can get past this. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I think, you know, one of the, as we, as we do the insight work, we really have to, um, you know, take a, take an approach that is, a little bit removed. I don't want to say detached because I, I don't want us to detach from the, the really powerful and insightful pieces that are the emotions and um, memories associated with these things as well. So, you know, taking that into consideration and taking a, you know, taking a removed approach. And what I mean by this, and I've, I've said it before, but I'm re reiterating because that's what I do, is we have to take a vantage point that is from the unaffected consciousness of our own being. So there's, you know, there's a, a consciousness within each one of us, and we'll call that, call that ultimate reality there's a consciousness in there that is not human. It's, you know, it's, it's not attached um, or it doesn't come from our human nature. Our human nature comes from it. So when we can take that grounding approach that is from that space that is unaffected by the drama that happens in our human existence, then we can see it. So then we're kind of like, you know, we're kind of like the doctor who's standing back and assessing the situation, assessing the pain, assessing the trauma, assessing where, you know, where aid or um, medicine needs to be applied. And I'm, I'm talking in medical terms because Chris is a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that. So, you know, we're, we're taking that approach of, you know, the, the helper, 
to ourselves rather than trying to work from that, that place of hurt, that place of fear, that place of shame that's associated with the, you know, the trauma or um, thoughts about the past. So when we take that, that really insightful approach to just seeing the reaction as the reaction, you know, so when we can see hurt as hurt, when we can see anger or resentment as a reaction, then we are able to administer the cure with compassion and wisdom. So our actions can be wise and compassionate rather than more reaction on top of the already, you know, reactions and memories, that sort of thing. So the other thing I want to talk about, and I'm going to ask you, Chris, okay. is you. <laughs> <laughs> Where is your past? Good question. <laughs> I think my past is in the past, but it's still me. Okay, but where is it? Where's the past? Like my story? No, well, the past. Like even, you know, think about, um, uh, let's, pick a, let's pick a time. Uh, I'm going to say uh, 1995, uh, July 4th. Where is that? Columbia, Missouri. <laughs> so, wh but where is where is the past? In a memory. It's a memory. And where is that memory? In my head. In and my where heart. is and where is your head and your heart? In me. It's in. It's my in you. Body. I'm, it's I'm, ingrained I'm, in everything about me. Leading you to that M word. My mind. The other I'm M word. <laughs> other M word. Money. <laughs> Minutes. The moment. Moment. The moment. Which moment? A moment. This moment. So everything. And so I'm, I'm appealing to your, sorry, sorry to make you jump through the little hoops, but no, it's okay. I, it's, I, 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 am, I am appealing to your logical side. So, uh, you know, the logical component of this insight is understanding that the past is a memory, but mm -hmm. that memory is only accessed in this moment. So when we're doing our insight work, we have to understand that I'm having, I'm having a memory and I'm having a recollection of a memory, which was a snapshot of a thing or a time or a situation that happened, but we're in the, you know, we're in the sort of replay of that memory in this moment. So yes. I, I've said it, I, I've said it a lot and I'm going to allow you to like, um, 
Apparently, I didn't listen. Clarify. Well, because it's it's when I say what I'm going to say, it gets a weird response from people. I'm okay. going to say that the the past and the future do not exist. That's correct. They don't. It's just right now. So it's confusing for folks, though, because you know we we certainly remember a past and we think there is a future, <laughs> right? We hope there's a future. We, well, but where does that future play out? Right now. In this moment. Yeah, in this, thank you. Yeah, in this, in this living, breathing moment, there is no living, breathing past. No. It's only in this moment. It's only in this living moment that I can actually recollect something that has gone by. Mm-hmm. So to me, you know, in, you know, when I take a really broad, I'm going to use the word enlightened, enlightened mm-hmm. sort of approach to time in its own essence, that it is only here and it is only now so thoughts about the future thoughts and memories about the past are only accessible here and now so for instance you're a nurse so you probably know more about this than i do if i had amnesia Mm -hmm. and did not have a memory of the long-term past Uh uh-huh it's kind of like that if a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound if nobody's around? No one knows. So your recollection of past is not accessible. Does that mean that it didn't happen? And that's a, you know, that to me, that's an open question. (laughs) It is because there may be things that have happened to both of us, but we, may have not been of the right sound mind and body to even remember it now. Or, you know, we have, we have a narrow view of what that situation actually was. Absolutely. You know, it's a skewed view by our own. So if you, if you and I were in the same place at the same time on, you know, July 4th, 1995, or whatever date I said earlier. <laughs> if we were both there at the same time, we're still going to have a little bit different memory of it. Right. You know, it's kind of like when they get, they question people about like a robbery. Right. Oh, like, right. What was the robber wearing? Everybody right. gives a different description because right. it's what they remember, what they saw. Right. And, and through absolutely. their, and the, through their responsive mind, mm-hmm. their responsive human mind. Absolutely. So, Go ahead. Sorry. The moments are what make up our life. And I guess it really comes down to living in the moment. Let's see here. Like, you you know, we, uh, I'm going to push you just a little bit on that moments, plural, plural. Uh Moments. Yes. Okay. So are there multiple? And if so, where are they stored? (laughs) Well, there could be multiple moments and it would be, in your mind, in your memories, do we know? I tend to think there's only one moment. 
probably so, but it's, I, a, it's you know, it, it, you know, so if you think about it, like you're looking through a movie camera, uh-huh. and you're, you know, you can see through the viewfinder of that mu- movie camera and you move it. And, you know, what's recorded is recorded, but it's still recorded and only playable in this moment. Right. So even if I rewind and look at what I looked at before, it's an imprint of what happened in the previous frames, right? Mm -hmm. But it's only accessible through this moment. So I... (laughs) It's only accessible in this moment. So, you know, if if I really think about it, I can't find other moments that are outside of perception, right? I I can perceive it because we have this thing called time and I think, and you know, a calendar. And I think that, you know, 1995 was a different moment, but I have a memory of that moment. Like if I, you know, if there was maybe something significant that happened on that date, I mean, I picked, you know, Independence Day, so maybe something happened. Not usually in my world, because I'm <laughs> an introvert and I stay at home. <laughs> but, you know, there's, you know, maybe something significant haven't happened on a significant date, but I have a memory of that, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm accessing it through the memory of it. It's... It's a big thought. <laughs> it's a big thought. It is. So, but it's good thoughts. And I, I encourage everyone to really contemplate it. Like, think about time, space, perception, and the vessel that you have to access what that is. And I ask that specific question because, you know, we beat ourselves up about past and actions that we unskillfully managed in the past or um, unskillful actions that other people, you know, laid upon us in the past and we bring it up and bring it up and bring it up. And it's only the bringing it up that brings it into consciousness. Right. Oh, absolutely. But we learned, we learned to like, sort of, that's the victim thing, you know, in, in trauma management, thinking about that, that thing that happened or that time that happened or that situation or event that happened and bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up. I like to say, it's kind of like ringing a bell. You know, we hear the bell, you know, we hear it ring only when we strike it and it plays out. And then I have to ring it again and it plays out. So when we encourage that, thought and that recollection of the trauma either what was you know done to us or that we did that 
we start ringing that bell again and we start reliving and it may even skew over time. And we convince ourselves that it was different than it actually was or longer than it actually was. Absolutely. Because I think what seemed devastating at one time may now seem to be just a slight little ripple in the water. Right. And I wonder sometimes is, is that my way of just dealing with it or, or my view now is different or was my view originally blown out of proportion? I don't know because that's, that was then and I was a different person at that time and I was younger. Right. I don't know, but it's how I handle it today and how I look back and say, okay, I've made it. And so we always use in, in our Buddhist path in this, mm -hmm. in this arena, we use suffering as our guide, right? Yes. So the four, four noble truths say that suffering exists. There's a cause for that suffering. There's a cure for that suffering. And that cure is, and I'm using the Powell extrapolation, that um, that cure is your awareness <laughs> and your ability to see things as they are. So then my action is helpful, right? Absolutely. So so when we look upon whatever was that is that is plaguing us, it could be our own misdeed or a trauma from someone else's misdeed, right? Or something mm -hmm. that even just happened. Maybe it was a natural disaster or something that was, you know, not in someone's control, but happened to us. We'll add that into the mix as well. So there's some suffering that is a, that is present that is plaguing us, right? Mm -hmm. So in our path, in our exploration, in trying to relieve the suffering, we understand that there is a suffering, right? And what Absolutely. is the cause of that suffering? Remember, I always say... Yeah, exactly. Yay, you win. <laughs> attachment. If, if you is. haven't written this down, suffering equals attachment. So there's different kinds of attachment. So there's attachment of things that we want to hold on to, like our loved ones and ourselves and our health and our youth and our homes and the things that we think we are, um, that we earned or that, that belong to us, those things are attachments. But there's also attachments that are comforts. And maybe my attachment to that event that I feel has impacted me in a profound way that it has, you know, it has bothered me. It has haunted me. It has um, given me sadness, depression, anxiety. When I, yeah. when I think about it, there's an attachment there. Mm -hmm. So we're attached to, because we think it's part of what? 
us. Us. Totally. And honestly, it's when you realize that if you're not, if you can unattach yourself from your memories or that trauma, it gets better. And I think for me, it was realizing that was a moment. It's happened. And there's got to be some forgiveness with it too, because for me, at least for me, if we don't forgive, forgive ourselves, forgive the others, it still comes back because you're still holding on to a grudge. Right. <clears throat> then it's sort of like it, it, it releases this lock of attachment. Yes. I kind of envision it as an old rusty padlock, you know, with a chain around it, that holding on to that memory, holding on to that moment, holding on to whatever it was that is bringing you down and weighing you down. And you realize it's over. It happened. It starts to crumble. And the attachment lifts. But there's some also there's also some discomfort there that I want to point out because you know when I am trying to let go of something that I feel like has defined me. So, like for instance, I was talking last week about you know something that I did that was unskillful, and we're not you know, we're not getting specific here because, you know, there are other people involved um, that when I think about the suffering that I experience thinking about that, I also thinking about the suffering that I created with other two other people that they may or not have um, the same memory of. Um, and I'm not going to, pick up that scab <laughs> but also, but i think if i give it up then i'm giving myself a pass for the misdeeds that i've done right i wouldn't look at giving it give, making it let me rephrase that i would not look at it as giving yourself a pass i would look at it as i did an unskillful thing 30 years ago Right. I'm not the same person I was 30 years ago. I've learned. I have lived. I've grown. I'm that I same person plus. I might you think are, that yeah. way. You know, yeah. It's, it's still plus there. More, plus more experience. <laughs> exactly. It's it's who you were at that time. You hadn't grown. Right. You hadn't become Paolo. You hadn't become Ron. And you had, you were still learning. Right. And, and there's a good argument that all of those things play into our mature being. You know, we, we have to experiment and we, we learn through our errors. We don't learn through our growth, you know, through our accidental success. We don't, you know, we can see, oh, that was a, that was a, a, a lucky thing. But we learn more from our, our own errors and our own misdeeds. You cannot, in my opinion, be successful without having fallen down multiple times. Right. You're not going to hit the ball out of the park every single time without striking out somewhere along the way. Right. Absolutely. You've got to have fallen and then stood back up to realize it's okay to fall because you can make it back. And it's that wonderful that wonderful tool of, you know, the insight through hindsight that we talked about last week, 
that mm -hmm. we can really take the exploration in revisiting that which is haunting us or that we have regrets over. So, so let's just think about it in the Four Noble Truths version. So like we know that there's a problem, you know, we know that there's a discomfort because it keeps arising, right? So 30 years later, I'm still having the, not a daily thought, you know, about my misdeed, but, you know, the occasional thought and regret that comes up and some crappy feeling that, that arises within that. I know that there's a cause for that reaction. So in the exploration of that cause, I know that it's my attachment. So there's an attachment and ownership that I have drug around with me of that incident and what I did that, that I feel is significant enough to hang on to and won't let go. And part of it's my guilt. I'm, you know, the guilt and shame that we think we have earned. Mm -hmm. So let's, you know, you know, the next, the next piece of the Four Noble Truths is that we know that there is a relief available for that discomfort and suffering. And then in the exploration of this, you know, this particular example, I can sit with the exploration of, okay, now I understand that it was 30 years ago. You know, I was 20 something years old. I was just a kid. I mean, there's even the argument that the, the brain is not fully formed in men of that age. And I can certainly say in hindsight, I didn't have a fully formed brain <laughs> ah. at that point. Um, cause I did some stupid shit, <laughs> just really stupid, but you know, that's, that's part of what we have in our arsenal to study and understand, look for the wisdom, keep looking for the wisdom in our actions and our inner inactions. So I know not to go there again. So then I can apply things like patience and understanding and compassion for myself. And with wisdom, I know that I'm not going to do that thing again. So then yeah. the karma is, you know, is settled, you know, on, on that, that particular event. Hindsight is your foresight. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because I look back on things and like, golly why did i do that yeah. or what if i had done it this way but now i rephrase it into i'll know what to do next time it's what funny I that we have that like that w when we look at hindsight we think oh i shoulda like uh -huh. like like there were options <laughs> exactly and i just picked why did i choose I just, this way instead of that way i just picked the wrong multiple choice option and I screwed I up just chosen a i could have got the new car versus the duck right you know right. seriously yeah. but i think you know oftentimes we go with our gut we go with us in the moment and sometimes we're you know we're leading with emotion rather than with our brain you know we're leading with reactionary versus precautionary right and 
it does allow us for in the future to help make those better choices. Yeah, absolutely. It it does because if you did choose that wrong option in the past and it had some negative outcome, hopefully you're learning more compassion and patience for the next time. I think that's key. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, acting unskillfully is unfortunately something that happens to everybody all the time. But it's the continually acting unskillfully or responding in an unskillful way or negatively. Right. You know, instead of being so knee-jerk reaction to something, why can't you just stop? Pause a minute. Put a little wisdom in between stimulus and response. And that wisdom comes through our awareness. So when we learn to be and go, you know, we're going to go back to, you know, that, that shape of this is the only moment. So this is where it's most important to have your attention. If I'm really just focused on my past, or I'm really just focused on where I think I want to go in the next phase Mm-hmm. I'm not here. I'm not present. I'm not awake and aware to really navigate where it counts. So the mistakes happen in unconsciousness. So when when we're just dealing with things like hurt, like I'm having a you know a terrible experience, I'm I'm reacting to hurt and embarrassment or shame, and I retaliate because I don't see the hurt and shame arise, then it's just unconscious response. So, you know, even looking back, how can we blame ourselves for having an unconscious response? We have to recondition ourselves. And this is where the rubber meets the road in this practice. We have to recondition ourselves to be here and now. So, you know, in instead of immediately taking a response of of time travel when discomfort arises, when we start thinking about the past and I don't want that thing to happen, or I'm thinking about my future and this is going to screw up my future and I'm reacting in that way, then I'm not really, I'm not driving on the road where the car is. Uh-huh. I'm in another state <laughs> on a different highway <laughs> And that's not skillful. So we're going to get what we're going to get. And we're going to drive off the road or we're going to run into something because we're not present, awake, and aware. So that consciousness is essential for us to cultivate. That's what we do in meditation is that we're, we're trying to arrive and settle into this moment as mundane and boring as this moment may seem. Our attentiveness to it will be will be paid off in huge ways when something actually occurs and we can place our awareness in between stimulus and response. And the outcome of that is compassion and wisdom. Essential practice. Hereness, nowness. I just walk around and like think here, now, here, now, here, now here now it's like when you go to the like you you have to go to the other room to remember to like i'm going to the other room to pick up my my airpods 
And, you uh-huh. know, cause you, when you get there, you're like, what did I come here for? So uh-huh. you're talking to yourself the whole way and going AirPods, 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 AirPods. Every day. Right. <laughs> this is the same. So walk around saying, you know, just saying here now, here now, reminding and- yourself to be here and now, and not just unconsciously floating through your experience. Because I'll tell you, when you are able to be in the here and now, your eyes are open, you're living life and you're seeing everything. Yeah. You're not sure. just, oh, I'm just going through the motions. Do to do. Yeah. You're yeah. being present. You're just being. Just and that's being. what's key. Right. As mundane as it may seem and as boring as it may seem to be just, you know, rooted in this present moment, this is where everything's happening. You're living in this present moment. So if you're focused on somewhere else, you're not really living. So presence is the way. Right, because if you're not going to be present, you're missing out on so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, and I think we all owe it to ourselves to do that insight work. It doesn't have to be your whole practice, but if there's something that's, that's coming up for you that is painful or is regretful or is giving you guilt, work through it, spend some time with it. It's not going to disappear. You have to understand what it is. And, you know, Cliff Notes, it's your human reaction and your memory of your human reactions that are being sort of reborn in your memory and giving you regrets. So if you've got, you know, if you've got stuff that you're working with and you need to like really, really dig in, there's, you know, there's a few books. I like Lama Suryadas's book, Letting Go of the Person You Used to Be. This is Lessons on Change, Loss, and Spiritual Transformation. It's a good book. It's kind of a quick read, actually, um, compared to a lot of others. I think Pema Chodron has some, has some good stuff. And, you know, I love Sharon Salzberg as well. So I think, you know, there's certainly some, you know, some, some reading that you can do that maybe will point you to your awakened awareness about what actually occurred and how to let go of it. I think our practice is essential in, you know, sticking with those four noble truths, knowing that there's something that's a discomfort, knowing that there's a cause for that discomfort and seeking that out, knowing that there is a cure for that discomfort. And that cure is your awakened awareness, seeing things as they are, the light of awareness sanctifies everything. So shine that light brightly and often, and it will help you clear up those painful past memories that are just a memory. So thanks everybody for tuning in to this. I think, is this our 25th? I think this might be something like that. I think this might be a 25th podcast, which is, it feels like a milestone. I think I, I feel like we should have cake. (laughs) Oh, I love cake. Love cake. (laughs) 
So thanks for tuning in from wherever you're tuning in. I, you know, I'm a data geek, so I like looking at the stats and see where everybody's downloading from. And it, I just, I, I get kind of a, you know, a cool, warm, inclusive feeling to know that people all over the globe are tuning in. And this is my little shout out to you. And... You know, as, as our friend Dan says, quoting Lama Surya Das, meditate as fast as you can. This is the time to do it. This moment is the only moment. So we'll see you next week. Bye now. Bye, buddy.